0: And come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Justin, hey, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian.
1: Thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: Yay. Okay, so we were talking before we started recording your book, and we were debating how you say the title. I'm going to say Barry. Let's go Barry. I'm going to go Barry, your ordinary uh, and you kind of have this heart for discipleship, for relationship, for like our habits and how we're cultivating our relationship with Christ. And yep. you wrote a book about it. And it's amazing. I've gotten to, I haven't gotten to read the whole thing, but I've gotten to look at it. And so I'm really excited to have a that was conversation. A
1: that wasn't a crappy confession though. That was a good confession. You yeah, said it's I confessed. I yeah, I haven't yeah, read I'm it. Yeah, I'm
0: going to be honest. That's I mean, good. I don't think
1: you, I had read it all till I did the audio book. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a about.
0: lot. Writing a book <laughs> is a lot. And the stack, being a podcaster, like the pro and the con is my pile of books. My, they're free. They get sent to me. Sure. It's very, very high. And I, I want know. to read them all. But so to get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself, Justin, and about yeah. your book, Very Ordinary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently living in the sunny city of New Haven, Connecticut. And so, you know, when it comes to church attendance and Bible awareness, this is like, you know, the, it's known as kind of the least church region in the United States. So the Northeast, New England, where people read the Bible and attend church. And so that was my background, you know, I grew up not at all attentive to Jesus or church, or I didn't know any of the Christian things that, you know, uh, people know now, and it was all very foreign to me. I grew up, you know, Catholic, but not really practicing in any way, you know, and that's like very classic New England. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I was a teenager that I had an experience with Jesus that really changed my life in a massive way. And then I was doing everything I could to kind of get out of New England, you know, and and just like go somewhere else. The weather's nicer, the taxes are lower, and the people smile more. And so I was yeah. like, maybe I'll end up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but get me out <laughs> of here. You know? And so anyways, over a long course of events, um, I really felt a clear call from God to, to stay in this area and to in, invite people to experience Jesus in a real way. And so that's been my background. I've now been leading a church for 10 years. But through that process, I started asking some really simple questions like, Hey in Matthew 28 Jesus says go and make disciples and I don't really know what that means you know yeah. like I I know that it means to be a follower of Jesus but what what does it really mean to be a, a disciple of Jesus and And shouldn't we kind of have a plan? And, you know, like I compare it to in in the book, I talk about how like in the beginning of the Bible, God says, uh, be fruitful and multiply. But he never like tells Adam and Eve, like, hey, you should plant corn or you should like harvest, you know, this crop or you should have cattle or livestock or here's how you, you know, take care of sheep like nothing. He just gives them all the raw materials. And he says, go be fruitful and multiply, figure it out. So there's a part of God that like allows us to build the system, you know? And so I started asking God, this is about 20 years ago now as a, as a teenager and early in my twenties, God, what's a system of spiritual growth that actually really helps our hearts grow in love? Because at the end of the day, learning to love God more and learning to love people more is discipleship, right? It's Mm -hmm. not like Bible verses and church attendance, although sometimes that's what we think of, but like. We all know people who, you know, they can quote a million Bible verses, but they're like, they're a jerk, you know, and it's like, you're not, you're not the type of person that I want to be, you know, and so it's like, I don't know if you know Jesus, like, I don't know if you really know him, even though you know a lot about him. And so what can we do to create habits in our life that actually grow us as people who love, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it was during that time that I started experimenting and honestly, this book has been like 20 years of kind of testing things in my own life, in my marriage, and then with my friends. And we we were at a kind of crazy time where we like a bunch of my friends started buying houses in this one city in the city of New Haven together. And it ended up being about 12 houses on like a four or five block radius. And we were all living together, doing life together in the city, really diverse group of people. And, and that's where these habits kind of came out of. Like I started challenging these guys, hey, what if we all try to do this? And what if we all try to do that? And And over time, these seven really emerged as like the process that we could walk a person through to help them grow spiritually, obviously seeking to live it ourselves too, you know? And so um, we introduced it to our church a number of years ago and it was just explosive. People started growing in their devotion to Jesus like we'd never seen before. And so eventually it was like, probably by like the 200th, person like, Hey, you should write that down. I finally was, maybe I'll write it down. And I did. And so that's that's where uh, that's where this book came
0: Well, and you're talking about like your, all your friends living on this four block. Like that's the church.
1: That's the church.
0: That's the church. Like that's disciples. That's the body, you know, and as someone, so I'm, I talked earlier before recording, I'm in the process of writing my own book. And I talk about this yeah. a lot on my platform, just about this dichotomy between like deeply loving the church, but also being right. willing to talk about the ways that she doesn't always get it right. And sometimes that makes people uncomfortable because they think that you're like piling on or you're just being really negative. But like, I really deeply love my husband more than any person on the planet. And when I see him going a destructive way, if I love him, him, like, am I not going to tell him? Absolutely. You know, and yes, there are absolutely people who just like turn this into like just bashing Christianity. But I think these are really important conversations and you're kind of pointing to okay, this is what I grew up thinking. Even when I was introduced to Christianity, discipleship, I grew up in youth group. It was like coffee dates, right? like little workbooks, right? no real depth and right. not like really doing life together.
1: Right. And I think that's part of the disease, right? Like if you look at the model of Jesus, I'm just not totally sure how we got here because Jesus, like his whole plan was like, Hey, I'm just going to take 12 guys we're going to live together, travel together, eat together, walk together, talk together. And through the course of three years, those guys are going to be transformed, right? Because they get it. It's that like life on life, flesh and blood, doing life together, you know, refrigerator rights, you know, like you can walk into my house and grab a drink and sit down. And, And so like for me, all of these habits you know, you can kind of like take them out of that world and drop them into like a church system and they'll still be helpful. But functionally, habit, habit seven is the habit of replication. And it's this whole idea that like everything grows when you do it together, you mm-hmm. know, and, and community is really about being vulnerable, about being close to each other, mm-hmm. about having access and about allowing kind of the mess that is me to mm-hmm. be seen you know, mm-hmm. to be seen and then experienced and loved and changed over time through God's grace. But, but yeah, I think, I think that, you know, that's where this kind of came out of and just our natural human minds. We naturally like kind of run to legalism, like, okay. Mm. You know, like the Jews at the time of Jesus said, Hey, what must we be doing to do the work of God? You know, like right. give us the list. And it is always dangerous writing about seven habits because people go, Oh, this is your list for spiritual growth. Here's Let me just check the list. And then I'm good. And Jesus' response is, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. In other words, like everything has to start with a revelation of grace and an understanding that it's trusting Jesus that allows growth to even happen. And in the book, I talk about that. There's a a chapter called How Christians Grow, and everything's counterintuitive, right? It's the upside-down kingdom. So we grow not by trying to get God's acceptance, but by freely receiving his acceptance and then living from a place of love rather than a place of trying to earn favor from God. You know, yeah. and so it's in that framework and that really grows best in community. It's in that framework that now these habits can actually, you know, be helpful.
0: So, before we dive into like what this looks like, yeah. well, I want to kind of maybe pull apart how the church has done that has done discipleship has done life maybe right. like in that little bit of like a legalistic check the box right. way like where where do you feel like Christians are missing it when it totally. comes to discipleship?
1: Yeah, I think that we've tried to systemize something that needs to be organic. So Amen. just because it's organic, you know, like if you eat like my wife, she likes like organic milk, which is like in Connecticut, like $30 a gallon or something, Ugh, yeah. you know, like, but like we eat, you know, organic food that doesn't mean that like the farmer didn't plant the seed. It doesn't mean that there was no system, right? right? It means that they didn't introduce certain chemicals that, that, that hurt the plant or whatever. And so in the same way, like just because it's organic doesn't mean it's not structured. It can be structured, but, but in our currently most churches, you know, you sit down with a pastor or leaders, you say, Hey, what's your discipleship model or your plan? They're almost always going to point to a class. mm mm-hmm or we usually fall into one of two categories. One is like, well, here's my class. Here's my 101, 201, 301. And I'm not against the class, but that's not, that's not the model of Jesus. Like, let's just be clear about that. Right. He didn't have a class. And so, so it's not necessarily bad, but it's not enough. Or the other side of it is like, man, we just love each other. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so that's what we do. We sit down, two dudes sit down, you know, for a cup of coffee. And he says, hey. How's your marriage? Pretty good, but not that good. All right. Well, can I pray for you? All right. Well, maybe we'll meet again in a month. Like, there's just yeah. no where are we going? You know, like yeah. where are we going? And so, what I've developed in this book, and and what I've what I've been living for over 20 years with this group of people is something that maybe is a little bit of both. Yeah. In that it's very systemized, but it's also very one-on-one. And so, like it starts with me, right? So like all of these habits need to be personally applied because modeling is the most effective teacher, right? Like if you're not, you know, living it yourself, then you're never going to be able to replicate it. But then out of a heart that desires to live for God, it's not perfect. It's always sloppy. I then take my brother along the journey, you know? And Mm -hmm. so for me, like super practical, like I'm doing this right now with, with two guys in my life. One he turned his life over to Jesus about a year ago. The other, he opened his life to Jesus about four months ago. And both of them, uh, we get together regularly. And I'm just literally walking them through these habits. So we start with habit one. With some guys, it takes a month. With some guys, it takes six months. But we're always kind of going, dealing with habit one, growing in this habit. And then as soon as I feel like, boy, they've got it, kind of, I go to habit two. Yeah. Yeah. And then from habit two, they get some traction. We talk about that. I challenge them there. And then I go to habit three. Literally, by the time you get to habit seven, you'll be like, you know, I really need to go back to habit one. You know, like it's this progressive development that really does kind of aim my heart at Jesus. But it happens over that cup of coffee. But now it's not just like how's life. Instead, it's like, hey, let's talk about habit two, you know, and there's something really intentional that we're doing. To grow our love for God.
0: I think that so much of Christianity and so much of the church or the church's issues are exactly what you're saying. An inability to land in the middle. Sure. on like yeah. everything, like manage, outside manage of right? yeah. everything, but like discipleship, especially because you're so right. Like it's either, oh, here's the binder and we'll hook right. you up with somebody <laughs> and right. you just ask these questions, right. which I mean, maybe is a good starting point. Yeah. Like, I mean, God don't nothing like there's yeah. no structure it's just very like so they, like you're not doing discipleship because i think discipleship is intentional
1: has to be in yeah.
0: some capacity has to be and you know you think about i think anybody listening to that thinks about like their own church and how they do it and i appreciate that you're like giving people the tools to Because yours isn't clinical. Like it's not like detached. Because if you're talking like I have the habits in front of you, like if you're talking about righteousness, which is like living free from sexual brokenness, like you're gonna talk about real life stuff.
1: This is this is where it gets serious. That's why that's like Yeah, that's why that's habit four, because by now you trust each other. You don't right. start with that. You don't be no. like, hey, let's talk about your sexual brokenness. Like, <laughs> right. okay, I'm out, right? Yeah. So, like, so, you know, that's why I always tell guys like, hey, don't lead with that. Like we're gonna yeah. get there, you know? But, but let's start with some trust building, something that's gonna help us grow spiritually, understand the voice of God, you know, discern his heart. And by the time you get to have it for, you, you know each other, it's time to be mm-hmm. real. We're gonna talk mm-hmm. about money and sex. It's gonna get ugly, but let's be honest with each other And let's just expose the broken pieces of our lives. And then we walk through it together, you know? And so, uh, but there's trust there by that point. Yeah.
0: And I just appreciate that. It's not like macro level. Like, it's not just like, it's not like, let's open our Bible and only like, look at what the Bible says about sex. Right. Like, because that like, that's great. And that's important, but like you have got, and I think that that's so, I think that that's another component of the issues Within Christianity and discipleship is like a nervousness or an inability to like go deep. Totally. That's Christianity in general, right? Like we just have, that's why this podcast is literally titled the way that it is. Is because yeah, that's I could not find Love a podcast. It. Like I wanted to talk about real life stuff.
1: I was honest. Yeah. So good. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: and I think like actually dealing with sexual brokenness is a great example because like you know, habit one is really about developing intimacy with God. And, and the the point is that habit one helps you establish a sense of identity. And, and this is like the root of our sexual brokenness, right? Is that I don't know who I am. So I'm running to every relationship. I'm following every passion. I live in a culture that says you're not authentically yourself, unless you follow all your desires. Well, if I follow all my desires, I'm going to destroy the people closest to me. I'm going to hurt a whole lot of people and I'm going to dishonor God. And so I can't find my identity by following my desires. I have to find my identity in a God who loves me. And so habit one helps me answer that deep identity question which then translates and kind of informs habit four, right? And so it's like, it's always this process. And I think what we often do in Christianity is we start with the, with the fruit, not the root, right? So Mm -hmm. we're like, Hey, young man, stop looking at porn. And it's like, okay, that's great. But I think the issue is a little deeper that he doesn't know who he is. And he's trying to get a sense of value or worth or affirmation from his addiction and we're just trying to deal with the fruit and not really getting to the root. And so oh, that's wow. why the discipleship doesn't work. And so he feels ashamed. He starts hiding. He's not being honest about his struggles. And before you know it, he's not showing up for awful. your coffee meetings anymore. Right. right. And you wonder why. And it's like, okay, let's ostracize an entire you know generation through these busted up models of discipleship.
0: We're getting close to sweatshirt weather. I mean, not in Louisiana, but I'm sure some of you are. So I wanted to make sure that you know that the Crappy Christian merch shop is open for business with favorites like Won't He Do It, Be Found Standing, and Our Jesus Lover Tee. Also in the comfiest sweatshirts ever. Head to crappychristianco.com merch to grab your new favorite sweatshirt. The world is crazy, and more and more it feels like everything is kind of on fire. And the reality is, you likely need someone to talk to about it. If traditional therapy just hasn't been a fit for you, or you haven't been able to make it work, I wanted to tell you about Faithful Counseling, an online Christian therapy option that's significantly cheaper and more accessible than traditional counseling. Faithful Counseling matches you with a counselor based on your needs, allows you to meet via text, phone call, or video call, and they price on a sliding scale. So, to find out more and get ten percent off your first month, visit getfaithfulcom slash crappy Christian and start talking to a therapist today. Okay. Let's get back to the show. Can you give us like a macro level of all the habits?
1: Totally. Yeah. So I always start with the first three habits I call centering habits, right? And centering habits are all about teaching and disciplining my life to center around Jesus. And this is actually sounds like, oh, yeah, that's easy. Well, that's actually the root of the issue when it comes to spiritual growth, because most Christians, we live with Jesus as a peripheral element within our lives, right? And so it's like, well, I have my career and then I have my friends and then I have my marriage and then I have my kids and then I have this. And oh, oh yeah, and then we have Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's over here. And one of the things that's just really important about knowing Jesus is he says, the kingdom of heaven. Is is like a you know leaven that gets placed in a lump of dough until the entire lump is now impacted by that by that yeast, right? In other words, like it has to be all consuming. Like Jesus has to be central, not just like on a list. He's gotta be central. And so how do I, that's nice. We can all say at church, like Jesus, be the center of my life. But then how I gotta have habits that actually enforce that, or I'm gonna wander. And so the first three habits are centering habits, they deal with a deep relationship with God. They deal with becoming comfortable talking about God with people who don't love him or are far from him. And they deal with hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit as an active and dynamic part of your spiritual life. And so those three kind of centering habits are the first three. Then the second two or the second clump I call guardrail habits. And those deal with sex and money because those are the ones a significant portion of Christians just drive their life completely off the rails. Because of sex or money, I mean, right? We love money. You we can love make sex, a list. Can we not make a list pretty it's easily, right? Very easily. Right. And so, so these are just real things. And until we get real about these things, they're going to keep, keep destroying our lives. And so those are the guardrail habits. And then the last two I call long haul habits. And those are the ones that again, are often neglected, but sustain me. And they really are the habit of rhythm, which deals with Sabbath and learning to rest which is a completely foreign idea to most people in America, right? That, that I'm actually, you know, God has commanded us in the 10 commandments, right? We think of the nine commandments and the one suggestion, like, Oh, I don't want <laughs> Sabbath, you know, like Sabbath's not really going to be, a, but then we break it to our own demise. Right. Yeah. And most people will attest that if you dishonor the Sabbath, uh, God's going to charge you later with, mm-hmm. you're going to get sick. Your body's going to break down. You're going to get overly stressed. You're going to end up in the hospital and you wonder why it's like, well, you dishonored the rhythm that God created for life. But so that's that habit. And then that, that last habit of replication is all about community. And those are the mm-hmm. ones that help me do this long term. I do yeah. it in community and do it with healthy rhythm. And so yeah, that's kind of a fly overview yeah. of how the seven habits play out in our lives.
0: I appreciate that it's not, this isn't gonna sound bad, but I appreciate that it's not all like like Read the Bible Jesus. and pray. Yeah. yeah, like that it's like sex, money, you're burning yourself out, like you're mm-hmm. being a jerk. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> you know, the relationship that I, I have now, we, I think I talked about this. I can't remember if it was before we started recording now or not, but about, yeah, yeah, like about, you know, growing up with this understanding of discipleship. And then now as an adult, having an actual like mentor discipleship relationship where she like has called me on my crap. So good. You know what I mean? Like yeah, business and relationally, she's been able to be like, what do you do? No, that's not you. That's not you. That doesn't look like you. What are you doing? You know? And we all need that. We do. And Uh, like, it takes work is the thing. Like we think it's just going to drop into our laps and maybe God will like position you for a relationship, but then you're going to have to cultivate it.
1: You're going to have to cultivate it big time
0: and work with it. So what, where does the like bury the ordinary come in?
1: Yeah, I think so. As I was thinking about a title for this and and just really trying to say, how do I sum up what, what I want to say in this book and what I think can be helpful is that there's two sides of it. One is I think that a lot of christians are just a little bit riddled with shame mm-hmm. a little bit guilty about their habitual brokenness and not really active in changing so we're kind of like stuck and yeah. stuck has sort of become ordinary like i'm not really growing i'm not really progressing and i'm kind of just like stuck and my my christianity is sort of like mundane you know like if i look at the book of acts and then i look at my life they are so different that it's like, there's not even a a hint of similarity between the two, you know? And so it's like, so, so ordinary has just become acceptable. And so as I thought about, you know, well, what, what will these habits do in your life? And, and the, the sub, the subheading is just practical habits for a heart, fully alive. They really will uh, cause your heart to come alive. When you practice them, one of the things we misunderstand about passion is we try to like drum it up directly. But passion actually comes indirectly. It comes through habits that whatever I do habitually perpetuates my passion. So if I watch Netflix habitually, I'm going to become passionate about my TV shows. You yeah. know, if I play a sport habitually, I'm going to be connected and committed to that sport. When I make God and his spiritual you know, growth in my life habit, then it grows my passion. It makes my heart come alive. And so the whole idea is that if we're going to have Christ as our greatest passion, It's going to require that we don't just kind of like adjust the ordinary, but we just have to sort of like dig a hole and drop it in and and cover it with dirt and say hey that's no longer ordinary it's no longer ordinary to watch five hours of TV and not pray it's no longer ordinary to pretend with my Christian friends on a Sunday morning, but not tell them about my deepest issues, you know so we just have to create a new sense of what's ordinary and that's that's the idea behind the book
0: do you think part of it is because christians have assimilated so much with common culture yeah i think
1: that there's a good side to assimilating with culture and a yeah. bad side so we we say around here one of our little things that we talk about as a as a leadership at our church is that we want to be students of culture and so you know i don't think that you should ever be detached from the culture you have to Absolutely. know the language you have to and and I don't think that Christians should be this subculture either I think that we should be integrated or incarnational as was like the word five or seven years ago you know like we should be living amongst the community for sure but this is the beauty of christianity is that it should be so relatable that you're a neighbor you're a friend you're a coach on a team you're living your life integrated in the community not in this little christian sub bubble but in the community. But at the same time, you're different. There's something different about you that you live for a different purpose. You have pounding in your heart, a different passion. And that passion has to come from grace. It -hmm. can't come from like, well, I think I'm just trying to, you know, religion teaches me obey God, obey God, obey God, and he'll love you. And Christianity teaches me, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So obey him you know exactly. and that's that's the biggest difference in the world and so that is what christianity has to offer to the world is the grace of god displayed through jesus and so i think that yes we have we've done the opposite i think in christian culture we've created a subculture that's separated and then we've assimilated into the values of our culture right mm-hmm. we should flip that exactly. we should instead live integrated but then reject a host of the values uh, that we find in our culture. So
0: and yet again to the point that I was making earlier, like just our incapacity for middle ground, our incapacity for like both and you know, like I can think of the the Christian, like I think again, we keep referencing before we recording because we kind of had a great conversation before we started recording about like people that are like jerks for Jesus. Right. You know, and like, don't Firstly, don't actually end up looking like Jesus because they're right. jerks, but right. they're so wrapped up in their own pretentious righteousness that they like are. We had a pastor once that said, um, be different, but not weird.
1: Yeah, so good. You want to be okay. different,
0: but you also like if, if people can't relate to you, if you, totally. if you don't feel safe to people to have a conversation because you're not going to give them grace if you're completely detached from anything that they're going to have to talk about, how do you get into their lives? How do you introduce them to Jesus? Like, how do you walk next to them? But that also like swings the other way. And you have people that I think with good intention do that. And then culture is so
1: all consuming. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: Like it pulls them in and then they end up kind of like you were saying, abandoning the values that they needed okay. to hold on to.
1: Well, and I think that's where these habits can be helpful because living by these habits will make you look different. I mean, Mm -hmm. they'll just make you look different. Like I'll I'll give you an example. So I was in the barbershop a while ago. And for me, the barbershop is like one of four or five places where I'm very intentional just to be around people who are far from God. And a bunch of the barbers were just talking about how they were sleeping with a bunch of different girls, you know, and, and they're all just talking about it. And they're, they're talking about, yeah, I was with this one this night and that one the other night. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm getting my hair cut. And I just, I said like, just the middle of the conversation, I said, man, I've been, uh, I've been married to my wife for 17 years. And honestly, uh, we just, we have a great sexual life and it keeps getting better. Yeah. And it just got awkwardly quiet in there for a minute. And then they kind of, they laughed about it. We joked about it. And these are guys are my friends. And it was just funny. And then afterwards, my barber pulled me aside. He's like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And he's like, he starts just talking to me and saying, hey, I want that. Mm -hmm. I want that. And long story short, I end up leading him to Jesus. I end up marrying him and his wife or him and his girlfriend. And uh, I mean, like God has worked profoundly through it, but like it all just started with just kind of like a all I was doing was just throwing some bait in the water. Like I was just being me. We were laughing about it. I wasn't being like, how dare you? I wasn't, I was just being different, but being different in a relatable and genuine way. And it became incredibly attractive. This is what Paul talks about in Colossians when he says that we need to be winsome or wise Mm -hmm. towards outsiders. But then he says, um, let your words be seasoned with salt and give grace to those who hear. So he's not saying, like, hit them in the head with the Bible. He's saying, let it be tasty, but also gracious. You know, and when you are, it becomes incredibly attractive and people start going, what is it about you? Mm-hmm. And you don't go, well, I'm a perfect Christian. You say, no, That's man, I'm just, I'm just a human. Like, yeah, I'm just a mess, but I've experienced grace and it's mm-hmm. changing me. It's changing me. Mm-hmm you know, and it's making me more loving, you know, it's making me loving. And, and, and that is incredibly attractive.
0: I love that story because there's so many different ways that could have gone, right. You could have not said anything because you felt awkward or uncomfortable, or you could have gone like the judgmental way, or like, you'll see, I've experienced, like, you'll go, you could go the like, haha, yummy too. Like,
1: Totally. Trying yeah, to you're right. Just totally in. try to fit in. Yeah. Right. Most Christians would just go ugh. and say nothing. And say nothing. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like, I'm not going to say anything. What am I going to say in this conversation? And yeah, I think that's a moment missed because the truth is as these guys were jumping from relationship to relationship underneath the surface, they're just trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. That's the deeper issue is I don't know who I am. And so mm-hmm. I need a new relationship to tell me that I'm special or that I'm valuable. Yeah. And as soon as you prick that, it starts bleeding yeah. And, and, yeah. Now, and now the healing can come though, you know? And so he, who is wise, wins souls, that's what Salomon said. And I think that we've got to rethink how we interact with a hungry and spiritually desperate world.
0: Yeah. I want to wrap it up, but I just had this last thought too, that I wanted to like, kind of talk about of that required. And I'm sure that's not the only time like that required a certain element of like bravery and willing to be shut down. Yeah that I think a lot of us aren't willing to take, take, which is also what holds us back from discipleship.
1: Yeah. And I think that one of the things that the backstory to that moment was that for the year previous to that, I had decided to go to that barbershop because there was nobody there talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And because I wanted to have a connection with my community, it was right in my neighborhood and really build bridges. And I wanted to, earn the trust of this group of guys, you know? And so I was intentional about that process. And by the time I made that, it wasn't like my first trip in there. It was probably right. a year in. And I had built a fun friendship with them that they were actually listening when I made an off comment like that, that they didn't expect because of that. And I think, I think sometimes we think like when I was a kid, sharing your faith was all about like being brave. And it's like, and it's like, well, yeah, you have to be brave, but it's not about being a jerk. Like I'm going to stand up for Jesus and, and, and just be awkward and turn people off. Instead, it's more like, well, I'm going to integrate my life. And when I do that, I now have change in the bank. I have a rapport that I can say certain things and they're going to stop and listen because yeah. they've learned to trust me, you know? Yeah. And I think if you look at a lot of Christians, it's like, who in your world do you have that with, or are you building that with who's far from God? And I think most Christians would say, I've isolated myself yes. and I live in this Christian bubble. And again, this goes back to habit to your heart's not going to be fully alive. If you're disengaged from a dying world,
0: yeah, hundred percent. And it's funny because we, my husband and I, have a, an area of our lives where we get to do that, where we get to like spend time and pour into people that don't love Jesus, and we do like do life together. And we've gotten like judgment from, oh, I know, like the other side where they're like, well, because what do people like? They they want to go like, so we like we go to bars, and oh. it's so much fun, and we like totally. listen to open mic night and. Yep. It's great. So there's just all that to say, there's great. so much that the enemy will throw combating fruitful discipleship. And like, we have to be willing to like trudge through that stuff because this is the heart of Christ. Like the, the heart okay. of Christ is to go out and go like create disciples.
1: New England's funny, but our largest uh, venue, we have, we have nine locations at our church, but our largest one is in a big music venue. And there's, you know, there's Allagash on tap, you know I mean? It's, it's a bar, you know, and, and we've met, we meet in three or four bars every week right now. And we've developed a great friendship with all these, all these guys that work there. And a number of them have met Jesus and turned to Jesus. And that's just, that's just normal. And we've taken a lot of flack for that in the beginning where people like you can't have church there, you can't meet there every week, my kids can't go to kids church with a bar, you know, it's like, and what we've learned is like, listen, if you're going to reach people who are far from God, you know, you've got to go places where they feel most comfortable and I'm fine. You know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I I feel good anywhere. He's with me. I'm with him. So rather than being awkward, let's just be Jesus and and then watch what happens. Miracles start.
0: That is so cool. I love that. Justin, this is such a great conversation. And I'm so thankful that you're laying this out for people and making it very tangible and possible. And so if somebody's listening and they want to jump in on this, yep. I'm sure they can get your book, all the places you get books, Amazon. Yeah,
1: yep, the totally, places. they can get the books there. But one thing I would really encourage you to do is if you're gonna read the book, don't read it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I found, all of this came out of community. I, My wife and I were doing the math the other day, of our 17 years married, 15 and a half, we've had someone living with us that wasn't biologically part of our family. So it's yeah. like, this is our life, You know, yeah. we've done this in community. And, uh, and that makes it messy, but it also makes it real. And so I would just encourage do this with a group of three or four people we create, I created a a small group thing that's free at barrierordinary.com that people can just kind of go through and ask questions and process together. And you'll grow, you'll grow so much more that way.
0: Awesome, Justin, thank you so much. And where can they find you like online?
1: yeah VoxChurch voxchurch.org org is the church all the all the stuff is all the resources are there and uh, you know we try to just make as much available make it easy as uh, as possible
0: awesome thank you so much
1: oh it's a privilege to be on. thanks for having me
0: all right that's it for this week thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy christian podcast and hey by the way if you super loved it can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening that'd be awesome all right see you next week